Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, it's time for Charitable Georgia. Brought to you by Bees Charitable Pursuits and Resources. We put the fun in fundraising. For more information, go to beescharitablepursuits.com. That's B-E-E-S charitablepursuits.com. Now, here's your host, Brian Pruitt. Good, fabulous Friday morning, everybody in the listening world. It's another fabulous Friday, and we got three more fabulous folks this morning. Stone, you know, we've been doing this show to put positivity out there, and today's show is all about love. And you'll hear the love and God story in these three stories, and they're all three different, and it's just amazing what you get to hear and, and hopefully what you get inspired by. The first guest this morning is Brianna Johnson with the Good Faith Health Insurance. So, Brianna, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. So, first of all, I do want to talk a little bit about your company and the Good Faith mm-hmm. Health Insurance. You get, you have a passion on helping people and trying to get the bridge with health insurance and people that really can't find the right stuff. So, But first of all, share your story and how you started this company and why you do what you do. Okay. Well, I had a, um, I was actually in finance before I did this. And I had a young lady come to see me one day, and she was 27 years old. She sat across from me and said, I'm going to die before I'm 30, and I need a life insurance policy. And I just looked at her and I said, well, why do you think you're going to die, you know? And turns out her medication was about $2,400. She had a medical condition that was very, very treatable. And... um I think I called about five to 10 different health insurance agents to help her and nobody would help her because they all focused either on group or they were captive with a company that couldn't sell them, sell her anything. So I ended up finding that medication for $45. She is now 33 years old. She's had her third child. Her disease went into remission two years ago and she lives here in Kennesaw. So she's doing great. But that kind of led me into... I need to look into this industry because there's just so few health insurance agents that actually will help families with pre-existing health problems. You know, I look at share plans. I look at the marketplace. I look at individual indemnity insurance. I mean, I look at everything. So it makes me very unique. Do you also help uh, uh, small businesses as well? Oh, absolutely. Up to and past 20 employees. It just depends on what their needs are. I think that's awesome because you're right. There's a lot of people out there who have preconditioned things going on and they don't really can't get the help. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's great to have somebody who is looking out for, for others and doing that. So you, if I remember right, when we, when we met and talked, you come from a large family, right? Yeah. I'm one of 11 children. Yeah. So uh, I'm sure Christmas was a lot of fun around your oh, house. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know, and, and same mom and dad as well. I always have to add that part in. We're not Irish or we are Irish, but we're not Catholic. So that's <laughs> answering those questions. But Christmas was always a blast, is always a blast. Well, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you is uh, you, you and your husband did something pretty incredible um, last year. Yeah. Officially. Yeah. Um, you've been working on it for a while, but it came <laughs> came finally to fruition last year. You guys uh, went and, did, and adopted a, an infant. Yes. So share that story. So my husband and I, and I'm very open about this, um, we struggled with unexplained infertility for about eight years. And when I say unexplained, it means that we did all the medical testing and they could find absolutely nothing wrong with either one of us. We are, I think, in one of the five to 10 percent of couples who struggle with infertility where they don't have an explanation. So the doctors just kept saying over and over, 
just keep trying, just keep trying. And it was just, it got to that point where we both looked at each other and I said, honey, you're about to be 38. Do we want to keep trying this way or do we want to actually make some effort and, you know, ensure that we get a child, that we have a child? And um, so our beautiful little boy was born in April. And the crazy thing is that when you start this process, you are told you're probably going to have a baby with problems. He's going to have, you know, a mother who's got drug problems. You've got children who are out there with ADHD and all that. And I go, well, I have ADHD. So, you know, I sit here and I go, well, that doesn't guarantee anything. Um, You know, a biological child doesn't mean it's going to be any healthier than a child you adopt. So anyway, we uh, went through the process. It took about six months to get through, you know, the home study and tests and everything else to make sure that you are not criminals, that you're you know, going through the process is tedious. And um, we actually went live with our profile in December because the birth moms can actually choose you, which is pretty cool um, on the private adoption side of it. So if a mother gets pregnant with an unwanted child and they say, I don't want this baby, they can actually choose the family this child goes to, which a lot of people don't seem to understand. So We actually got matched two weeks after our profile went live, which is insane. That does not happen very often. Um, And our birth mom, I'm actually still in contact with her. I actually reach out to her about every two weeks, send her emails and updates and, you know, let her know how he's doing because obviously this was an act of love on her part, but she had me there for the delivery. So I got the phone call and, uh, in the space of five minutes, I had to sit down because I thought she was calling my, our lawyer was calling me to tell me, oh, you need something for the website or we need something for this, that, and the other. It's a lot like online dating. You have to create a profile and the birth moms read through your profile and uh, they can pick the criteria. They can pick what state you live in. I mean, they, they literally have all of that information right in front of them. And, um, she picked us, which we're super humbled by. Um, it was very sweet, uh, the whole process. And, you know, for her, it was like this was not a child that she didn't want. She just couldn't keep. Um, she didn't have a drug problem or anything like that, but she just financially couldn't do it. This was her fifth child. So in her situation, uh, it's pretty common for for women to get pregnant single moms having to struggle through this process, but she has just been a wonderful example to me of just love because when she gave birth, she was crying. I was crying. We were just congratulating each other. You know, when they put my son on her chest and it's, you know, at that time it's her child too. She's just looking at me. She's like, congratulations, you're a mom. And she's, it was just incredible. Um, but the entire time, I, I really did try to make her feel like it's okay if you change your mind. And that is a hard thing for an adopted parent to do, especially when you've waited this long. So, um, yeah, so everything has gone really well. And the funny thing is, you know, I mentioned this earlier, our son's been sleeping through the night since he was six weeks old. Wow. He is the most sweet, angelic child. And I know I'm totally biased, but... He is a really good kid, and it's just funny because they they prepare you for the worst when you're adopting, which is good and bad. Um, But in our case, I was like, man, we've been spoiled rotten with this child. (laughs) Like, he's so good. Um, And his birth mom and I talk on a regular basis. We're actually going to go see her 
uh, this summer. We're going to spend a week and just visit with her, let her see Corbin, our son, and just let her get to know him a little bit. Because I do think that's very, very healthy for the child when it's a good situation um, for them to know the biological family to some extent, to know where they came from. That's pretty cool because, I mean, you see, obviously, Hollywood can do what they want to, but you see a lot of times it's further down the road when they start asking questions about who their biological parents are and they want to start searching. So you guys are getting ahead of that curve, which I think is yeah. great. Yeah, and and it's crazy to me that because, well, at least with private adoption, people think that there's all these babies that are available. There's not. There's about 30 families for every available child. So it's surprising that number. Um because people think, oh, yeah, there's all these kids. No, there's not. <laughs> there's really not. Not on the private adoption side. What's the difference from the private and, I guess, public side? So to, there's kind of three ways to adopt. You can do uh, a domestic adoption, also considered a private adoption. You can do an international adoption, and you can also do a foster care adoption. So the private adoption side, there's never like a 100% guarantee, but you're definitely in a better spot as far as being more sure you're going to get a child versus foster care, which is considered um, not as ideal because it's designed for reunification. It's not designed to place children with adopting families. The design is literally to try to get the child and the children that are in foster care back with their biological families, which is how it should be. So it's kind of funny because people think, oh, you know, there's all these kids like, no, there's really not. There's not. Because we have a very high rate of abortion. I don't mean to get political, but (laughs) that's the truth. There's just not – I mean if you look at the data, there's 30 couples for every available child on the private adoption side. Can you give any advice for anybody out there who's thinking about wanting to go through a process like this? What's the best thing you can tell them? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of it. It's it's something that, you know, if you are talking to people and, and get, get advice from people who've done it, don't, you know, just Google and go with the first thing that pops up. Talk to people who have gone through this process, who can advise you, but also who can encourage you because it does require quite a bit of encouragement because it is scary. You know, you don't you don't know what you're stepping into because you've never done this before. It's like riding a bike. It's kind of nerve wracking the first time you do it. So, um, yeah, that's my advice is just find someone that, that can mentor you through it. And, you know, for us, when we were play- matched with our kid, it was literally like, okay, he's due in three months and it's a boy. <laughs> and it was literally, oh, we've got three months to get ready for our, for our son. And um, we had so much support from our church, from our community. And what's interesting is that there were things I didn't even think about, like a bottle warmer. You don't think about needing that when you go to the hospital to, to, to have a baby, right? You just don't think about it. We would have been totally lost without a bottle warmer because they don't have those at the hospital. They don't have a microwave in the room where you're staying. So, um, and that's not a complaint. It's just it's things facts. like that. It's just things like that. We we talked to a lot of people who went through it. And I literally had a friend that was Marco Poloing me. This is the list of things you're going to need, you know. And it's um it's definitely a wonderful thing and it makes you feel very warm and very accepted. So are there groups out there to look for those mentors? Absolutely. Um, there's actually a lot of groups through, depending on what agency you go through, they have groups. Um, I started a mom's group specifically on Facebook, just 
for families interested in adopting, for families who are like, hey, we want to adopt, but we don't know if we can afford to adopt, um, you know, and sharing data as far as just information. Here's some grants you can apply for. Here's some fundraising we can actually help you with. Um, and that's something that is is so it's so out there. Everybody thinks, oh, it's so hard. You're on your own. And you do feel like an island at first. But then you start to look around. You go, wow. There's like all these families that have done this, gone through this process, and I want to learn from the master, you know, and it's kind of like business. You want to learn from someone that knows and has been through it. If somebody wanted to get a hold of you, first of all, for their health insurance needs, <laughs> or if somebody wants to get a hold of you and talk about the adoption process because they yeah. want to start doing it, are there ways people can do that? And if so, how can they? Absolutely. Um, so for either of those, people can just call my cell phone, which is 770 770- Two eight nine nine two three one. My website is goodfaithhealthinsurance.com if people want to look me up and just read about what we do. But um, I'm an open book when it comes to either of those things. So anyone can reach out if they just, hey, I, I'm thinking about this and I'm not sure what the steps are and I need a little guidance or a little help. Either one. Can you share your Facebook group too? Is there if somebody's looking for that? Yes. Yeah, so I actually, that's a private group. So I'm going to actually, I would share the link okay. with someone who's right. interested. So. Well, Brianna, thank you for, again, being here and sharing your story. Do you mind sticking around and listening to these other two stories? Because I uh, would love it. I'm actually really excited awesome. <laughs> to hear y'all's stories. Awesome. Well, we're going to move over now to Sean Burney. So, Sean, thanks for being here this morning. Yeah, thanks, Brian. Appreciate you having me, man. So, you and I met a few months ago, and, and at the time you were working for Titan Pro Mechanical, which is an HVAC company, but I've learned that you uh, you are a surfer, you like mountain biking, you're a youth leader, and you do all kinds of stuff, and then just uh, this month you stepped out on your own and started a new videography company. So, give us a little bit of your background. Yeah. So as you said, I, I, I grew up in Cocoa, Florida, uh, surfing, skateboarding, just really anything that I could get my hands on. Honestly, I have too many hobbies. Uh, my, my wife complains all the time. Like you have all these bicycles. It's just ridiculous. Right. And, um, so I've been trying to, uh, you know, as I get older, I've been trying to narrow those things. in. also I've, I've definitely gained a lot more wisdom in my older age with my, uh, my sense of mortality, you know, knowing <laughs> that like, I probably shouldn't hit that jump or I probably shouldn't surf that size wave, things like that. But, um, uh, yeah. So, um, as you said before, um, <clears throat> I did, uh, I was part owner in an HVAC business. Um, I've spent about 16 years in the business management space. So, um, I started working for action sports companies, skateboard companies, snowboard companies, and I traveled really all over the U S uh, living in different places, doing that and, and just managing business, opening brick and mortar stores for those different brands. Um, and then, uh, you know, eventually I really just wanted to, to start my own. Right. So I worked for a company that had, uh, that was really about at the 50% mark of their, their full growth. And then I wanted to see what it was like to go a little bit, you know, er, earlier on. And so I, I went to a business that uh, was about, you know, 25% into their, you know, infancy and their full growth. And, uh, and that was fantastic. And then I was like, I want to see what it's like from day one, right? I want to know what it's like. And so, um, I went in, uh, and, be- and found a, a partner that was, uh, just an HVAC savant. Uh, he was amazing. Uh, I went and did a couple of jobs with him just to see what he was all about. And we had uh, kind of met during the pandemic. We were working out in my garage together. Uh, and I was like, you need to get your contractor's license and let's, let's do this. Right. So, um, we did, and it was, it was fantastic, but, um, honestly, my, my love for film and film production and storytelling was just something that, um, I had done since, you know, really early on, since I was a teenager, my friends and I were always filming each other, skateboarding and doing different things. And I just absolutely loved it. And it was a passion. And, 
um, I started doing some of that for uh, one of the businesses that I was in. And uh, we were using a lot of those videos internally and, uh, you know, they loved it. And so they were commissioning me to do more things. Um, but long story short, um, you know, my business partner and I were having, having a conversation one day and he was like, man, he's like, your videos are really good. Like they're really good. He goes, and I kind of feel like this is something you should, you should do. And I was like, okay, you, you, you think so? And so, um, you know, so I, I went out on a limb, uh, this year and decided to start my, uh, my own film production business, uh, it's fable creature film production. Um, we do uh, weddings, uh, events, and then also a lot of branding. And I think my, you know, 16 plus years of experience in the business world, corporate business world, gives me a really unique perspective with with customers and clients with branding because, you know, I, I know what's going to turn those transactions, right? I know those things that you're, what kind of clientele are you trying to target? So um, it gives me a unique edge, I think, to a lot of filmmakers where I, I have that creative side, but I also... I understand the marketing and sales side of it as well. So, um, so that's really exciting, uh, as well, but, um, yeah. So, so I have to ask where did the name fable creature come from? Yeah. Good question. Good question. Um, so, you know, I, I love like sci-fi and fantasy and I'm, I'm a huge like Lord of the Rings nerd and all those types of things. I can't, I can't help myself. (laughs) Right. I can't help myself. Um, so that's kind of part of it, but you know, the idea of a fable is a story. Right. And, you know, the idea of this fable creature, um, when I was going into it, it's like, there's this story that everybody has in their mind that that's maybe unattainable, right? Like they don't know how to capture it. They don't know how to, to, to put it into this mode that, you know, that tells everybody who they are and what they do, you know, especially with like with brides, right. You know, they're, they're the, this kind of epic fable creature and, you know, and they want their big day captured. So for me, it just made sense. Right. And then, you know, kind of on the backside of that, um, being in the skateboarding industry, um, you know, creature skateboards. I don't know if I could throw the brand out there, but creature skateboards was always so cool to me. I love their artwork is very, you know, fantastical. And, um, so yeah, so fable creature kind of stemmed from my love of action sports, but also this idea of, of capturing that story. That's maybe people think you can't get. So Sean and I started working together. He's been uh, gracious to come out and, and do some, videography of the uh, events i've done so far this year so i appreciate that and i have to tell you he's a pretty good director i felt like i was on the ellen show yesterday because when he was at the <laughs> expo he even brought something out and said it on you're standing right here at this spot this is where you stand i was like no i'm on a talk show that's pretty cool um well as i mentioned too you're also a, a youth pastor uh you do a yeah, youth group right. so you have a passion for youth but you also have a great adoption story so i'd like for you to share that yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, I've always had a passion for kids. Um, just, you know, young people, I think that, you know, we're, we're in this world where we're, you know, sometimes the, it's easy to neglect a generation, right? It's easy to just kind of say, Oh, like maybe they're, they're a lost cause. And I think this, you know, during the pandemic and things like that, I heard all these people and political individuals talking about, you know, it's like the worst generation ever. Right. You know, and, and to me, it's like, well, that's because of us, right? Like that's not because of them. And so, um, I've always had a passion for, for, for young people and, and just, you know, being a part of that mentorship in their lives. And so, yeah, I do, I am do a middle school and high school, uh, student pastor or, you know, leader, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I'm not ordained or anything. I, I volunteer doing that. Um, but, um, yeah, so my wife and I, um, we've been, we've been together for about eight years now and, uh, seven or eight years. And we, uh, you know, when, once we got married, we had kind of had the discussion of, we, we weren't going to have kids. Like we just had made the decision that we, we weren't going to have our own biological kids and, um, you know, and, you know, 
but I think God has different plans for right. us sometimes, right? You know, when we talk about not having kids, cause we were very adventurous and kind of wild. And, um, we were talking to, I mean, we were in the conversation of like, we're going to build out this conversion van, uh, and we're going to basically travel around and live in different States and, you know, and, and work and whatnot. And, um, as we we're having this conversation, um, you know, we, we started to see that there were some there were some opportunities and some signs of concern with, um, with our nieces and, and their mom. And, you know, so we, you know, kind of like everybody else, we tried to support that, you know, support, uh, you know, my wife's sister and, um, you know, and support the girls however we could. So we were kind of going back and forth between, um, here in Virginia a lot. Um, and, you know, we really had no intention or anything like that on our radar. And like, as far as like adoption or taking them. That was never a conversation. It was really trying to support, um, their mom through that, through some of those addictions that she was having. Right. That was always our number one. And, um, you know, we were coming up to our one year anniversary. Like I said, we don't one year married, right. Coming up to our one year anniversary anniversary. And uh, we were planning this huge backpacking trip. We were going to be gone for like a week, you know, uh, just totally off grid backpacking. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we'd finally kind of, it was about Easter. I think we were getting close to, and, um, we had, uh, we had seen the girls and seen their mom and we realized that there was a real, a real problem. So we had, um, you know, when somebody is battling with addiction, right. They're not always thinking clearly, you know, and they think that they can, they've got it, right. I've got it. I, I can manage it, you know, but in reality is that's, that's not the case, right. They really need to tackle that addiction problem. And, um, you know, and, and she'll be okay with me talking about it. She's been sober for two years. She's, it's fantastic, awesome. but we'll get to that. But anyways, um, so long story short, my wife and I had kind of made this decision, like we, we need to step in, right. We need to do something. And so we had, uh, we had talked to, uh, her sister and said, Hey, why don't you bring the girls down to us? We'll take them on a vacation with us for a couple of weeks and, you know, and you essentially can, can go to rehab and, and get help. And, uh, so she came down and, you know, as, a uh, you know, kind of that, um, the, I think the key, the key word here is doing it out of love, right? You know, that, that love, you know, she, she had made the decision to leave him with us so she could go back and, um, and go to rehab. Well, unfortunately that, that wasn't necessarily what had happened. And, and she went back and, um, and she was kind of free of, of her girls for, for the first time in her life. And, um, you know, and that just really kind of led her down an even deeper, darker path of, of addiction. And so, um, we went through the process of, of really just like, we don't know what to do. You know, she didn't, she didn't come back to pick them up on the date that we had talked about. And then when she did show up, she was like, I, I can't do it. Right. And so that's where that, that, that love comes into play. And she knew that, you know, leaving them with us, they'd be safe. Right. While she, she went through this process. So, uh, you know, one year into marriage, right. You know, uh, going on and we were like, we're going on our one year, uh, anniversary. We ended up changing all of our plans. You know, we, we basically packed our backpacks away and we went out and, and, and bought a, a camper, a small camper and, and just changed everything because I was like, well, I, I you know, these girls are, you know, they've, they've never been camping before. Right. They don't know anything about that. And, um, I was like, we'll, we'll kill them if they go on this, you know, uh, 30 mile excursion. And so at which we were right because we went on like a one mile hike and halfway through they were dying, you know? So, um, so yeah, so we just kind of changed our lives completely around for that. And, um, you know, the, the interesting thing about where, where we're kind of at is like, you know, we spent years really just not knowing what to do. And so, you know, after the first couple of months of her, you know, not coming back and not getting into rehab, we, we had to kind of go to this process of like, okay, we need to f- get, seek some legal counsel and figure out what we want to do because 
you know, the scariest thing for us is, you know, her, you know, she's, she has addiction problems and she's all over the place and we don't know where she's at. Right. There was zero communication. It's like, is she going to show up one day? And the, the girl's father was, was in prison at the time. And so he had been, he'd been in and out of jail pretty much their whole lives. And, um, and he was, you know, he had basically three strikes. He was a felon. And so they ended up deporting him, um, back to El Salvador and, that was another thing that we were like, okay, well, you know, we don't have to worry about him showing up. We don't know what's going on because at the time we had absolutely zero legal like protection. The girls were just staying with us and we had somehow figured out how to enroll them in school. Um, you know, we had gotten all their documents, but, uh, they, uh, well, anyways, we found out that their dad had, uh, actually, you know, illegally came back into the country somehow. And so we were just really terrified. Like, you know, we don't know what's going on. And so we were on high alert for, for really a, a process of two years, you know, and during that time we were, you know, going to regular visits at the, uh, the courthouse and we had a, I think it's called a guardian ad litem, which is another really crazy thing. You know, you're talking about the, uh, the foster care system and, and how wild that is, you know, when we're talking about private adoption versus the foster care, there are so many kids in the foster care system that, you know, one uh, guardian ad litem or representative is, is essentially mo- monitoring a hundred plus kids at a time, which is mind boggling, right? Totally mind boggling. Like they have, they're so short staffed. They're so short resourced. And, um, you know, so we, but we had a great relationship with her and and she would come and visit us and things like that. But, um, but like I said, it, it, it was a really wild couple of years. And, um, you know, I think that the thing that got us through it with them, because it's a, a little bit different situation, right? The, the, the girls, we were the cool aunt and uncle, right? They like to come and visit us. And then we went from being the cool aunt and uncle to being parents. Uh, so we were no longer cool. And I thought I was going to be the coolest dad ever, right? I'm like, man, I skateboard. I was in a band. I do all this cool stuff. No, that is not the case. When you, when you become the parent, you were pretty much no longer cool. Your cool is out the window, but, uh, and all the things you tell them is not cool, but all the things somebody could tell them the same thing and it's the coolest thing ever. And I'm just like, you know, whatever. But, um, you know, I, I think, you know, the girls have been with us for, for just over five years now. Um, and, uh, you know, as a, as a great praise report and how God works in just amazing ways is, um, you know, uh, my wife's sister, she's been sober for a couple of years and she actually stays with us on the weekends, which is fantastic. So she's just been doing a fantastic job and, you know, but that, that brings up a whole different set of emotions, you know, because I immediately took this, my wife and I both took the stance like we're mom and dad, right? We're the, we're these, we're these girls' parents. And, you know, that's, that's hard on them, right? Because in their hearts, you know, mom is still out there, right? You know, and, and dad wasn't really in the picture, you know, but, but mom was still out there. And so they're really holding on to that. And we had early conversations about, you know, a, adoption and, and things like that. And at the end of the day, you know, that wasn't really what they, what they were interested in, you know, and, what my wife and I had to come to the realization was that it wasn't about us, right? You know, it, it was not like making that, you know, decision for them was not about us. It was about taking care of them. And, and it was about putting ourselves in this position of like, we are always going to make sure that they want for nothing. Right. But reunification with their mom was one of the most important things for us, you know? And so it's a hard barrier because you, you put yourself in this parental you know, position, like, like, you know, those girls will never not be my daughters. Never. Right. Um, I, that to the day I die, that's, that's where it's at, you know, but, um, I, you know, I didn't, I guess we got into this position where we didn't need that piece of paper to do it. Um, 
but we wanted it right. You know, we, we selfishly wanted Mm -hmm. that paper and not that it's selfish by any means, but I mean, I think just in this particular situation, you know, you have to, and I think that's the, the struggle with fostering, right. You know, you foster and you, it's hard because at any given time, those childs can, this child children can go away, right. Go back to their paternal families. And that's, that's really hard emotionally for people like really hard. I mean, I know we've gone through it um, and we're still going through it. Right. But, um, but anyways, at the end of the day, I think that, you know, anybody that, that wants to go that route, right. Versus the private route, which, which is amazing by the way, uh, versus the private route. And they do want to go to that foster route or they want to go to, you know, maybe taking on a family member is, um, you have to make sure you're constantly reminding yourself that it's not about you, right? It's not about you. It's not about your needs. It's about their needs because children can absolutely fill needs in your life. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like they, they, those girls fill, fill a, an, a, a place in my heart that I never knew that I needed, you know, or, or wanted and um, selfishly. And uh, you know, and it's, like I said, they'll always be my daughters, but I'm so, so stoked that their mom is back in their life and she's doing well. And she's been, you know, like I said, she's been staying with us and we're, we're this really awesome, cohesive unit at this point, which I think is really rare in the world we live in. So it's a, again, it's a, it's a, it's a, a story of struggle, but a story of like great success. And, and it's also just this, you know, this constant proof that like God is real and as many plans as you make, his plans are always going to supersede yep. yours. You know, yep. you, know, you never know how he's working, and and you know that's that's incredible. So, how old were they when when you guys officially adopted them? Uh, so, so when they came to stay with us, they were nine and eleven, um, and now they are thirteen and fifteen. Um, uh, my fifteen year old is about to turn sixteen. She's about to get her driver's license. Uh, boyfriend, you know, I I really like her boyfriend, but I also kind of hate him. You know, got the shotgun ready? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah for sure. And uh, but no, he's a he's a, he's a good guy. And um and then my my youngest girl, thirteen, you know, all her all she thinks about is volleyball. Like that's it, man. Volleyball is life. And uh, so so she's uh, uh she's on her way to be becoming a professional volleyball player. Uh, we'll see. But uh yeah, so like I said, uh, it's been about five years, just over five years. Awesome. So obviously you've got one, uh, an infant story, one that's a little older. Um, can you share some advice for somebody who's thinking about any kind of adoption? You know, what, 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 what would you give advice? Would you give them? Yeah, I think, I think number one is, is, is listen, listen to God. Like you need to, you need to listen to him and you need to, you need to make, you need to pray, right? You know, you need to make sure that what the, the journey that you're about to undertake is, is long and there are a lot of highs, but there are a lot of lows, right? And and I think that it's really important to just go into it with that mindset of like, it's not always going to be happy days. There's going to be rain. And, uh, you know, and I think that if you going into the fostering to adopt kind of direction specifically is honesty is honesty, right? Being honest with them, because there's a really good chance that um, there wasn't a lot of honesty leading up to that particular time in their life. Right. So just always being honest with them. That, that was our, always our number one rule. Like we're always going to be honest with you. We're always going to tell you the truth. We're always going to tell you what's going on because we don't want you to get to a certain age and be like, Oh, you, you held withheld that stuff from us. Right. So we were always honest with them, um, which is not always easy, you know? And then the other one is 
pick your battles, right? Like you don't need to sweat the small stuff. You know, we, we all have in our mind the way we want to raise our children or the way our children should be raised, you know, but when you are taking, you know, taking children into your home that might be at a certain age, maybe they're a little bit older, you know, they, they come with a, with already kind of a, a fixed thought process. Right. And, you know, I think when you think about like, oh, like I don't want my, my child to dye their hair or something like that, man, that is small potatoes, right? Like that is way small potatoes and, um, you know, or just anything like social media, things like that. You know, I'm a really big fan of limiting those things, but when kids move to your home, there's a good chance that they've had like untethered access to social media this entire time. And just cutting the cord on them is, is a really terrible decision because they're going to, it's like uh, addict withdrawals, right? They're going to hate you. It's a terrible decision. So you've got to take those things in stride, right? And you have to, um, implement different things in a way that's going to, um, that's going to encourage their growth, right. And encourage them to start thinking for themselves because you don't want to be that person that's just telling them how to think like you want to teach them how to think, um, because that's going to serve them so much better in the long run of their life versus you saying, no, this is what we believe. This is how we think. This is what you should do. Um, it's just never a good idea. So again, it's about giving them the tools to think for themselves and giving them the tools to be successful in life. Uh, if somebody wants to get a hold of you for your, for videography and they want to work with you, how can they do that? Yeah. So you can go to my website, www.fablecreature.com, or you can email me at Sean B that's S E A N B, uh, at fablecreature.com as well. Sean, thanks for coming and sharing your story. Do you mind sticking around and listening to this next story? Absolutely. So my next guest, uh, Tim Abbott, uh, probably the best thing to do is ask him what he doesn't do, but Tim is a, Tim's got a, I mean, I don't know anybody who's got a bigger heart. I mean, if it could, it'd probably bust it out of his, his chest. But as you can see, a sweatshirt, love, right? That's what we're talking about today. And he, I don't know if he did that on purpose, but that's great. Um, just some few of the highlights. I know that you've, um, you were a, a journalist for the U.S. Navy, correct? Um, you've, or you were a city councilman for your city of U. Harley. Um, you work for Kaiser. But your your passion is just people. Yeah. And you love that. One thing that you and I have in common other than that is that we're both graduates of KSU. Yeah. Go Owls. And go basketball, <laughs> they're, they, they could make the, the big dance this year. It's exciting. So um, you have the same kind of degree that I do in communication, so a Bachelor of Science in that. Yeah. Uh, a lot of BS. A lot of BS. <laughs> a lot of BS. <laughs> I Not have today. Right, no. no. <laughs> we'll save that right. for the after party. I have two BSs and my middle initials are BS, so I've got a lot of it. So um but your big passion that you do is you're the board chair for the Good Neighbor Homeless Shelter. That's true. There in Cartersville. Yeah. And you did you started a, a thing called uh, Night in the Box. Right. Right. Uh, right. First of all, sh- share that yeah. and and the Good Neighbor Homeless Shelter and just your story. Yeah, the uh, story around the um, uh, um, the uh, homeless shelter yeah. and my involvement. Yeah, yeah so uh, I'm a late bloomer uh, in life. Um, uh, didn't even think I should think about God. Um, and then when I was 30 years old, um, I uh, literally found myself in emotional, physical, spiritual, um, and financial bankruptcy. All through all, all four areas, uh, I was just bankrupt, and um, the good times I were having were no longer good. And uh, um, divorced twice, and had a son that I wasn't getting to see. And I uh, used to run around this church in Marietta, Eastside Baptist Church, and weird things. Like every time I ran around there, I like I heard a whisper, 
come inside. And I thought Christians were the weirdest people in the world. Like, who goes to church and you're singing all these songs and talking about this guy you've never seen named Jesus and clapping your hands. And uh, in a moment of desperation in 1996 with um, – um, my son being a year old, it was a Sunday night, and uh, I had nothing left in the tank. Buckhead running life wasn't working for me anymore, and all the things I was doing to try to um, comfort myself with uh, things that you shouldn't be putting in your body wasn't working anymore. So I went to that church, um, and this story is important because it leads into the adoption story. I walked in that church on a Sunday night thinking not that many people would be there, and I could sit in the back and... I don't even know what, like, quit whispering to me, I'll go, and then we're done, right? I saw um, the back uh, head of a blonde, and still being so carnal of mine, I'm like, of mind, I'm like, she's mine tonight, I'm taking her out. I went and sat down right next to her, and uh, after church, just begged her to go out with me and uh, walked her to her car. She didn't ask me to, I just did it. And uh, she literally said, I'm going home to do my laundry. If you want to see me again, you'll come to Sunday school. Now, I thought that was stupid. Sunday school is for five-year-olds. But I did. And uh, it took three years and hundreds of hours of counseling. Um, but Lisa Abbott is now my wife. And God was giving her to me for a purpose that I couldn't see. So I told you that story because before I got it into the good neighbor shelter and adoption, if it wasn't for um, that desperation and me listening to that little voice in my head and heart, which I just, again, thought was weird, um, none of the rest of what I tell you would make uh, sense. It would all sound unplanned, but it was uh, very much um, planned. Um, so anyways, um, yeah, so uh, um, she became my wife, but uh, she broke up with me at least six times. Um, real quick story, she made me go to counseling with her before she would even date me. And the counselor came out and talked to me, then he talked to her, and he came out and he looked at her and he goes, I wouldn't date him. He goes, he's got a lot of work to do. Wow, wow. talk about a moment in your life that broke your heart. You know, I was beginning to get a sense I was worthless and I would never have a good relationship. And, um, and, uh, but, um, that counselor said one thing to me. He said, Do you want to live the legacy that your family gave you or do you want to live the legacy that God's created for you and you can lean in? And a champion rose up in my heart just through that one question. And I dug in and it hurt. So many, many, many years later, um, I, uh, there's a long story. And uh, uh, so, so this is what I tell people when I travel and have to go to California. If you're sitting in the seat next to me, I got your four hours. <laughs> so we don't have four hours here. So you'll get you'll get the little version. Um, but yeah, just fast forward, uh, moved to Bartow County, and um, God had a plan for us there. And then. Uh, uh, I, in 2016, I was literally walking down the street at a prayer breakfast. And I said to my friend, John Parton, I said, God is opening up discretionary time for me to do things with my life, but I don't know what to do with it here. And I want to get involved. And he picked up the phone. He called, uh, the CEO of the chamber and he said, if you'll let this guy in leadership Barto, he'll pay you back. 
so I got in that leadership class and, um, and uh, did a lot of neat things. But one of the things was I was on a committee with the executive director of the Good Neighbor Homeless Shelter. And she called me one day. Usually when people call me and I don't know them, I figure that um, I talk a lot. And I figured I said something that I shouldn't have said. <laughs> right. I've offended you because remember, I didn't become a Christian until 30. I had a lot of filters <laughs> to like get out, you know. And uh so I pick up the phone and I said, what did I say to you? She goes, what? I said, did I offend you yet? And she goes, no. And I said, I'm working on it. Um, so she said, hey, I want you to do this thing called Dancing with the Stars. It's a benefit for the Good Neighbor Homeless Shelter. Um, she goes, you're going to tell me you can't dance and you probably can't, but I think that um, – you um, can help us raise money. Never raised a dollar for anybody before besides uh, myself. And so I just said yes. And then uh, get to the night in the box. I had to do a fundraiser. And I asked God, like, how can I do something outside of, like, cocktail parties or silent auctions? Like, something really unique nobody's doing. And I couldn't find the answer. So I asked community leaders to sit down with me and just listen to my heart uh, about going to live in the woods for a week so that I can actually know the people that I'm trying to help. And they said, that's a horrible idea. They said, those are tight knit communities and you won't be welcome. Then it's dangerous. And uh, then a guy named Doug Belisle looked at me and he said, you want to do night in a box? And I said, yes. What is it? <laughs> and uh, he had a friend in Colorado doing that. So um, I'll just I'll end that story here. Brian was saying what was born out of that in January 2019 on the coldest night in January there. It was 21 degrees. I spent 36 hours um, on a street corner in Cartersville, Georgia, telling people that God loves all people, regardless of socioeconomic status, um, that if we're going to be a community that matters, then we have to be a community of generosity and service. And that if you're listening to my story about homeless people, we have a homeless shelter that needs your help. And would you donate and help? In that 36 hours, I raised almost $6,000 just by telling the stories I'm telling here today. And um, so since then, we've had eight night-in-the-box events, and we now involve families and corporations. And um, we go out to a corner once a year, and then I do it by myself um, just because I love it. And so I'll end up doing it this month or next month. So that's the Good Neighbor Shelter. They asked me to be on the board. I, it doesn't matter if I was on the board. I'm still helping them. And so, uh, But it does give me a position to help promote their mission and um, help people. So anyways, Brian, that's it. Oh, so I mean, wow. Right. Right. But, <laughs> but you're not done. So you, you also have an incredible adoption story. <laughs> yeah. So please share that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Bree, uh, do you ever, do people call you Bree? Yes, they do. Do you let them? <laughs> yes. Okay. That's, that's the second part it's of easier that. to remember. <laughs> and, uh, Sean, I love, um, your stories of, um, courage and love and, and openness. And I'm going to, I'm going to just lean into that story. Uh, to my wife's biggest dream, uh, Lisa was to have children. And, um, and, uh, so, uh, when we got married, it, um, was becoming clear that wasn't going to happen. And, uh, it was breaking her heart. And I, I was not equipped. Like, I don't know what to do with female emotions. Like, you know, she'll tell you after 23 years of marriage, I'm like a sophomore in college. I'm still trying to, you know, be an understanding husband. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, we spent money that we didn't have a ton. 
ton of money we didn't have on all the medical opportunities there are. And she got pregnant, but then um, lost it, you know, um, and that that was, as you might imagine, was really hard. And and so um, just a time of despair for her. Um, and I mean, three years of despair of like, what are you going to do, God? And like I say, we already spent a ton of money that we didn't have at the time. And um, so we just kept praying and um, we ended up moving to Bartow County and Lisa got up one morning and she said, we're going to go to a foster care orientation class. And I said, that is the worst idea I've ever heard. <laughs> I was such a sensitive husband. And she goes, no. And she goes, I really want to do this. And I said, okay. So we went to that class and much like you talked about, Bree, and the uh, things that you talked about, Sean – that class was like scared straight from some jail, right? They really tried to convince you this is not your dream if you want to adopt children. The kids you're going to get are the most messed up kids in the world. And they really – so Lisa left the class just crying. And she goes, like, we can't do this. I'm not doing this. So in, in a flip, I said, oh, yes, we are. <laughs> I said, you said that the Lord told you that we should do this. And I said, so we are not now, – now, she's been a Christian all of her life. I'm kind of a brand-new Christian, but I'm like, if God says who he is, we are diving in. And I, so we went, and um, that began our adoption story. They, uh, they tell you you'll never get an infant to adopt. Two weeks after we went through all of our orientations, six weeks, we got a phone call, and um, uh, they had an infant uh, baby girl, and she was um, – um, Six weeks old, and we got her. Another week after that, they had another infant little girl. She was three weeks old, and we got her. And so this is all in 2003, and it was a few weeks after that that Lisa got a phone call from her mom. Crazy stuff, just crazy, that her mom's hairdresser knew um, a lady, and her husband was a Navy chief, and one of his direct reports wanted to abort. And he said, if you'll just keep the child, I'll help you find adoption. So through Lisa's mom's hairdresser, we get this phone call of like, hey, I hear you want to adopt. Um, we have a child you can adopt. And so here we have a three-week-old and a six-week-old, um, and um, and we're like, oh, gosh, I don't know, <laughs> you know. But this is an adoption, and foster care is not an adoption right now. And the things that you guys talked about were true, that we Lisa was just so afraid. There's, we're going to fall in love with these kids, and they're going back to, you know, their biological home. So we said, okay, well, we, gotta, we have to do the adoption thing then. Like God's opening up this door. That mom changed her mind so many times, um, but then she delivered um, him and uh, told the doctors that she didn't want to see him. So we got a phone call, and uh, since she was in the services, JAG took care of her legal matters. We got a lawyer real quick, took care of our legal matters, and so we went and got Sam. So here we are now, 2003, um, we have Samuel who is three weeks old. We have Emily, who is six weeks old. And we have Hannah, and I'm going to show you guys in the room. You can't see it on the radio. And we have Hannah, who is 10 weeks old. So in, two, in, in 2003, never wow. have raised a kid. 
We have a three-week-old, a six-week-old, and a ten-week-old. And people are like, oh, that was been so fun. That was so – and like, seriously, the most stressful time of our marriage. It was a really tough year. You talked about the a, a warming bottle. I am in Walmart when we got the first delivery from Bartow County Sheriff, who was also our neighbor, you know, of Emily. Um, and I'm in there and I'm like, I, I, what, what do I buy? Like, I mean, I, I mean, they got food, they got all these things. And like, we had no idea. And we were making 22 bottles a night just to get through the next day. And then Lisa's working as a teacher in Cobb County still, so we're taking the kids to daycare. I've never seen a river of snotty noses like that. You just can't stay healthy. And and I just started my career with Kaiser Permanente, a healthcare organization, three years into it. And the kids are sick. Somebody's got to stay home. And we're calling off work. And in one of my best husband moments ever – um, when we had to call off work and I said, well, you call off work. You're just a teacher. <gasps> Ooh, Holy cow. So the stress of those moments and the stupid, like we were in fear and we were in stress. We knew that God had done something. Like I work in big time strategy at Kaiser Permanente, like 700 people in a department. The story I'm telling can only be a God story, right? Because those foster kids, Emily and Hannah, they came up for adoption. And when Sam, we adopted. And so we're in the stressful moment of these three. We know God's doing something. And I make a statement like that. And it was so hurtful, right? I mean, it's so hurtful. But it did make us pause and say, wait a minute. Like, we're so ingrained in the fire. So um, we had to have a better, a better plan. But it was a very stressful year, but it's a very beautiful story of how um, you can't plan that. And like in our stories, I hear you guys talk and like you say, what would you tell people about their adoption stories or their desires or the pain they're going through of not being able to have a child or however it might come, like just be open, like just uh, like just be open. We wanted to adopt one child that we were praying for. And I would say just like, just be open. Talk to people like Bree. Talk to people like Sean. Like, don't be afraid of the foster care environment. Like, I'm not saying that will be your story, but just be open. And even if you don't, like, somebody listening to this doesn't believe in, in God, I totally get that. It was a crazy story to me. And Jesus just showed himself to us. And I believe I'm nobody special. Honestly, I'm a dressed up train wreck held together by the grace of God every single day. Just lean into it and 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 don't over overthink it. Um, and the other thing I like to give people kind of a visual of. So Lisa was adopted when she was three months old, right? Um, my grandparents raised me since I was two, and God began to reveal. And I tell my kids this all the time. They're they're all three nineteen right now, and I tell them this all the time. There's seven billion people approximately in the world and the God of this universe somehow said that us five are going to do life together. Lisa being adopted, Tim not being raised by his parents, you three not knowing your biological parents. And God said, Hey, why don't you guys go do life together? 7 billion people. And he put us five together. We didn't have a strategy. 
We didn't. We were out of money. We were out of hope. And so we just prayed and asked, and then we had got brave. And uh, it actually made our marriage stronger, even though that was a very uh, difficult uh, year. So, um, yeah, I don't know what questions you have. And there's all kinds of things that didn't go well and stuff. But um, I just tell people to be of hope. We ended up adopting like three kids for $1,500 because the foster care system. That would have been nice. Then, yeah, right? <laughs> right. Well, and I don't say that in a, in a, in a bragging way. No, like I don't. I don't even understand it like clearly myself except that. Just lean in, and if you know God, lean in, and if you don't know God, lean in. Like it doesn't matter. Like just just start asking and talking, and uh, um, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I could talk about it all day long because, you know, for a guy that wasn't a Christian, God just started showing me, like I can do things um, in uh, with your life that you never thought were possible, and uh, I still marvel at it. I don't. I don't even know what to say. I just all you have to do is, if you read your Bible, you can see everybody he used. Right? That yeah. none of them. I mean, you have a murderer, you have a rapist, <laughs> right. or he used them. So it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. What your situation is, God can use you for great. You yeah. know. I do have one question. Yeah. How, how is it with the three? And you know, I guess triplets that aren't really yeah. Yeah. biological triplets, but yeah. I, there's one finger they're older than the other, and yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, you know, um, well, they know who's the oldest out of them all. And it's, um, um, but it's, there's not really a pecking order there. They're three very, very different, uh, kids, very, very different kids. And one of the hard parent moments for everybody, for everybody is I didn't teach you that. <laughs> you didn't see that from me. So they are, uh, um, very different, um, they get along when they're together, but it gets very loud, and they like to pick on each other, which I was like that too, but as a parent, I don't like it. Uh, you know what I mean? Um, so, uh, but yeah, they're, they're, they're very different, and they, they do their own thing. One of the really neat things about Lisa being adopted is um, – and, and I told Brian, I wish Lisa could be here um, because she's just great at this. But she knows all their backstories, like in, you know, and I told the kids, you know, you're in, um, they all know me. I mean, there's no, there's no hidden thing. Like they, uh, what Lisa knows about their biological parents, they know if they ever want to meet them, we said, come to us let us help you because you'll make up things in your mind that of our, 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 our grand and it may be grand and it may not be grand. So Lisa's very open about that with them and if they have any questions or anything, she has all their files and so, um, you know, whatever they want. And we ask, like, do you have questions? Even at 19, like, you know, you got questions, getting curiosities, things like that. So very open talk to him about it. She's a great nurturer um, for them. I'm just a doer. Like, what do you need? <laughs> you know, let's go make it happen. We'll yeah. find somebody. So, uh, yeah. So you, you talked about the Good Neighbor Homeless Shelter. Yeah. And, and, you know, uh, I started a monthly trivia show at St. Angelo's there in Emerson, and we're rotating charities. And Good Neighbor Homeless Shelter is my charity for February. Yeah. Uh, I think I said the wrong date last week because uh, we had Kelly Nagel on, and she was talking about her Dances with the Stars yes. this year. She's doing for that. But February 15th, Wednesday night, 6 o'clock, we will be at St. Angelo's. 
helping with a good neighbor homeless shelter yeah. on that. So um, if somebody wants to get a hold of you just to, to see how they can help with a good neighbor homeless shelter, how can they do that? Yeah, let's do that. First of all, let's say this. If anybody's listening to me, and I'll certainly share this on my Facebook and share it on the Good Neighbor um, Shelter Facebook. Like if you guys are trying to figure out how to get something done for your organization, profit or nonprofit, um, and you want it to be fun, you got to find Brian Pruitt. And you got to find B's uh, Charitables um, organization. Uh, I've met Brian just a month, two months, three months ago in uh, uh, Cartersville Business Club. And you're phenomenal because you have the right heart. And then coupled with that, you've got the head to get it done. And uh, you're really helping a ton of people. So I just want to make sure I say that. Thank you. If somebody hears it, you're you're the guy. Yeah. So the Good Neighbor Shelter is just it's it's marvelous. One of the reasons I love it, I tell people when you spend your money there, I'll come show you how you're spending it. Like families' lives are being restored. Women who are escaping domestic abuse and their kids, like it's a home. Like kids don't want to leave after they, you know, they have to leave. And so uh, it's a great organization to support. Like you can really see we have a men's shelter with 14 beds and we have a family um, uh, female shelter with 35 beds. And so the best way to get a hold of me and find I'm so easy to find. Um, if you just go to Tim Abbott and my Facebook uh, page in Bartow County or go to Good Neighbor Homeless Shelter Cartersville. Um, or you can even go to Night in the Box on Facebook um, and just easy to find our Facebook on uh, Good Neighbor Shelter. We get so much support. If we put out there that we got three kids that need backpacks, I mean, we have it within an hour. Just beautiful people, just beautiful people that want to step up and support or decorate a little girl's room who's never had a room decorated before. But I, I would say that's the easiest. I'll give you my phone number. There's there's really no secrets about uh, um, me because when I tell you the bad side of me, I'm just glorifying God that he brought me out of that. So um, it's 678-596-9415. And uh, yeah, you can, it, we're easy to find at the shelter. I'm easy uh, to find. Uh, I usually post when I go to church. Um, if you want to talk, like God was weird to me at one time too. I think the Bible is an exploration of a bunch of strange stories that have a really godly point, you know? So I tell people, don't be embarrassed that it all seems weird. I, I get that. Um, so I usually post on there, like, if you want to talk, just come find me. So um, I can talk forever. Tim, I appreciate you coming and sharing your story. While we're wrapping up, what I've started doing is uh, I like to get the folks that are here. I mean, you've all shared incredible stories. You've shared some advice for those that might be looking doing some adoption. But I want you to guys to share either um, a quote or a word or something that people can go the rest of 2023 and beyond of what they, what just some, some encouraging words or some inspiration. So Brianna, what you got? Uh, I keep coming back to Peter where he says, cast your care upon him for he cares for you. Sean. Yeah. I, I mean, I kind of have two things and I do have a quote. I know we're on, we're on time here, but I think one of the, the coolest things that I've, I've heard from, from all of the stories. And the one thing that makes me feel really encouraged is, uh, is the honesty piece, right? You know, being really honest with, uh, you know, with those loved ones and with your kids, you know, and if you're going through this process, it just gives me a little bit of, you know, confirmation that we, we went yeah. the right route, you know, and, in making sure that, 
those honest conversations were happening. And, um, you know, and I think the other thing is, is unconditional love. You know, we, we think about unconditional love as a feeling, right? When in reality, it's a choice, you know, we, you have to wake up and you have to choose every day that you're going to give those children unconditional love, you know? And then if you're, if you're thinking about doing the, the foster, the foster piece, right. You know, it's like, don't, don't shy away from it. You know, it's, it's scary. Um, but, but, and you, yeah, that child may be reunified with their parents and that's, that's the goal. Right. But, but that doesn't mean that means you need to wake up every day with that choice of unconditionally love that child, no matter what is happening, what they've been through. And if that leads to adoption, that is, that's amazing. Right. That's fantastic. But, um, yeah, so that's just a little thing, but my quote would be from, uh, from Shaw, which is, uh, you see things and you say why, but I dream things that never were. And I say, why not? And, um, the idea behind that is that anything is possible, right? You know, there's, there's nothing impossible. And a lot of people are going to be naysayers to the things that you want to do in life, you know, and, um, but in re- but in reality, God always has his plan. Tim. Yeah. So many things run through my head, Brian. So I'll try to get it down <laughs> to a sound bite. Um, I wish people could experience this almost live with the five of us in this room and, I really like what you said about unconditional love. It's um, it's hard to understand things in life. Like I really didn't understand grace, and God showed me that through my wife, Lisa. I was a mess, and she's loved me in my worst parts. And people will say, well, what do you love about Lisa most? And I'll say I'd rather have a bad day with her than a good day without her. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Um, so to a quote to wrap it up and I, I, I guess is, um, I ha- I really struggled, um, believe it or not with communication and being around people, uh, before I became a Christian and then God showed me. And then I really struggled cause I talked so much about like, does anybody really care what you're saying? And it sounds like you're bragging and I wasn't, I was just trying to draw people in to, something that they don't even see and I don't see. So I heard this quote and it's really helped me. Um, being humble isn't thinking less um, um, of yourself, but it's thinking of yourself less. Mm. So I just had to embrace what God was doing with me by way of communication, community involvement, um, marriage, and all that, and that I could talk about it, and I wasn't trying to draw attention to myself, but hopefully to be an encourager um, for others, because I think we're all broken, and we all need words of encouragement, unconditional love, and people to lean into our lives like mine was leaned into, so I tried to lean in to others. So don't let uh, being humble stop you from saying what you need to say and let God worry about the outcome if your heart's in the right place. That's right. I told you last week that I was told by my mother that I needed to think of a new word, but all I can say is just awesome. <laughs> I think that Awesome's sums it up. Word. Yeah, it's a perfect word. <laughs> all right, guys. Everybody there listening, let's remember, let's be positive. Let's be charitable.